Welcome to the Rethink Leadership Podcast with me, Jeremy Blaine, CEO of PerformanceWorks International. This podcast is grounded in business, digital, workforce, and leadership transformation for our times. My aim is to initiate conversations with experts, leaders, professionals who've got a story to tell and who we can all learn from. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel or simply go to performanceworks.global to access all the episodes to date. I'm sure you'll find something of interest. Hello and welcome to the Rethink Leadership Podcast. In this episode, we get under the skin of how the broader, more diverse workforce is being supported through evolved HR strategies and actions. With me to discuss this is a global HR pro of over 20 years, Alexander Matianis, who's partnered with boards and CEOs to craft strategies that accelerate business and talent growth. Alexander is a true student of business and human capital management, holding an MSc in Human Resources Management and Development, an MBA in Finance, and a Bachelor of Marketing. He's also a Fellow of the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, and currently the Global HRD for International SOS Medical Services Business Line. International SOS is the world's leading medical and travel security services company, with an employee base of over 12,000, operating across 80 countries, and servicing over 70% of the Fortune 500 companies. We talk about the transformational landscape HR leaders and professionals are dealing with and how one key aspect of this should not be overlooked, the broadening cross-generational, diverse mix of distributed talent in our organizations. The first time in history, in fact, we've got five generations working side by side. Alexander helps us get into the detail pulling on his experience across global HR roles in over five regions and multiple industry sectors. Well, thanks very much for joining me, Alexander. I'd love you to introduce yourself, your journey in HR, and tell us something about yourself that maybe not many people know. Well, thanks, uh, Jeremy, for, for having me in the podcast. And uh, also congratulations for your inner CEO book that you released. Uh, it's quite amazing to see the passion resonating uh, on the leadership of topics through the book. Uh, and I would encourage anybody to take the book because there's a lot of insights, uh, interesting insights that you're sharing. Uh, so for myself, my name is Alexander Matianis. I've been in the HR field for 25 years now. My journey, I was born in Canada, grew up in Greece, uh, studied in the UK, started my career and family in the Middle East where I stayed there for about 18 years. Uh, I'm currently living in Asia, based out of Singapore, working with International SOS as the global head of HR for medical services business line. Uh, we support about 8,000 staff that are based in 1,000 locations, 80 countries, uh, supporting our clients with uh, security and health solutions uh, to keep them and, and their staff uh, healthy and, and safe. Uh, a bit of my background, uh, I have experience working in emerging markets, greenfield startups, M&A integration, IPO, and driving P&L enablement. I've been quite lucky in supporting organizations through exponential growth in the engineering event management, technology, and health and security industries. Uh, key highlights from my career, uh, delivering the opening and closing ceremonies for the 2000 Asian Games, uh, where I worked with David Atkins, who was the creative director for 
the Sydney Olympics. Uh, he was tasked to do the opening and closing ceremonies in Qatar for the Asian Games. Uh, very tactical uh, HR. Uh, we scaled up from 30 to 1,000 people. Then moving into telecoms, working with Qatar Telecom. At the time, they were a monopoly. Uh, there were 2,000 employees, and within 12 months of working with them, uh, expanded to 17,000 employees, a 10 billion company, and I was uh, involved in setting up the group uh, HR function and the headquarters globally. So that was uh, quite a fulfilling role. And now working with International SOS and in the past uh, two years, supporting our, our global clients and combating uh, COVID pandemic and uh, uh, navigating through the complexities of, of, uh, of uh, COVID uh, is, uh, has been um, quite rewarding. Um, so our, my passion is about building talent ecosystems uh, that nurture a learning culture, as well as, uh, uh, I guess, uh, providing business leaders with, with people instruments to combat competitive and market challenges. Great. Thank you so much. Wow. Is there anything you've not done? Alexander, I mean, really, it's uh, it's incredible. Uh, a true global citizen and a business leader, a business pro, a leadership uh, expert, human capital professional courses you are now. I had no idea about that, about the Asia Games as well. The opening and closing ceremonies, incredible. And the great news is after this, Alexander, you can tell your kids that you're on Spotify. That'd be great, won't it? Or Apple, depending on what they've got. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, <laughs> I think actually I'm going to I'm going to come to you as a leadership expert first and bring in and weave that into the human capital side. And I'd I'd really like to understand from you what your observations are concerning current leadership, people and organizational trends as we've entered the new normal. We've come out of the pandemic. We've got uncertainty and unpredictability ahead, et cetera, et cetera. Thoughts? I think. For me as an HR professional, and I guess from my lens, I think what resonates quite strongly is the multi-generational workplace that we have in place. It's the first time in humanity that we have five working generations uh, employed in the workplace. We have the baby boomers that are self-taught leaders coming out from the Second World War, uh, where you know uh, they might have lost their families. They came in and established themselves in the market but also the Generation X, uh, where they experience a glass ceiling uh, because the baby boomers dominated the leadership uh, arena. Uh, but also, I think what is very clear, of, at least from my perspective, is that the next generation has a very consultative leadership style, which can assist in bridging uh, the gaps between the baby boomers and the millenniums and the Ys and the Zs. Uh, and when we look at the millenniums, the Ys and the Zs, you know, there's access to, uh, you know, they've, they've had access to uh, unlimited just-in-time information, easier access to good and services uh, and travel when compared to the other generations. The, the also quite interesting is uh, the interest versus status-based working motivators. When we look at baby booms and next generation, they are status-driven more influenced by traditional management structures, uh, and they're more culturally rooted, uh, they have a more culturally rooted entity, where the Ys and the Zs are driven and inspired by interest and purpose. Uh, 
So if we were to do a bit of an experiment where we take a, you know, a thousand baby boom and an X generation, uh, you know, from 20 countries, say 50 uh, people from each country, all of them speaking quite well English. Uh, and we randomly put them in, in, a, in an open space and see how they interact. What we most probably will see is they will start clustering based on ethnic and cultural background. But if we do the same for the millenniums, the Ys, and the Zs, what we probably see is that they will cluster around interest based on you know, music, games, uh, fashion. And that also resonates in organizations. So as HR professionals, we need to really pay attention to that and make sure that you know, what we provide from HR solutions cater the different generational uh, differences that exist. From a milestone, also from a milestone versus fly, uh, on the fly recognition, where baby booms and X uh, have this embedded notion that you must work long and hard to achieve, you know, assess performance over time, reward based on, on key milestones. Whereas the... Millenniums, the whys and the zits are driven more and motivated by instant gratification and reward. Uh, and if I take an example of myself when I was growing up, uh, you know, we would go to the arcades and play Street Fighter, uh, where it took us two weeks to finish one stage. And I look at my son, uh, you know, in 10 minutes, he's, you know, accumulated thousands of, of points and he's on, you know, level 20. So all these uh, are part of uh, the diverse uh, generational workforce and impacting, you know, how we should drive, uh, you know, HR practices. And I can share a little bit more on that as well, uh, Jeremy. Yeah, I, gosh, that takes me back. Street Fighter in the arcades. Wow, that <laughs> really does. Gosh, I remember that too. Um, you're so right, actually, to pull out that multi-general multi-generational piece because it's at one level actually a very key leadership imperative for leaders to be aware of as much as it is in the purview of the human capital professionals uh, as it was um and particularly with the the needs you're right this instant gratification of the y's the z's they're looking for fulfillment perhaps over career short-term fulfillment and then who knows what they'll do we don't know where yeah I think the rest of us still locked in that traditional mentality I think it's well said around that and I'd like to stay with that therefore and go deeper into it because you clearly got some great insights around this so if we take that that cross-generational workforce mix and we we consider what does do you think an ideal world look like considering that and when you add in the new working models that we've got, the way we need to lead, engage, manage, mobilize our people, uh, how we perhaps differently recognize and reward our workforce for the years ahead. Uh, I think what we need to do is have an op open dialogue about it and recognize the differences. Um, and it's about leveraging generational dynamics uh, so we can build that future leadership capability. 
when we look, you know, as, as the baby boomers are exiting uh, the workplace, that will create uh, a leadership uh, knowledge-based vacuum. I think the, the X generation can bridge that vacuum uh, with their consultative approach where they start supporting uh, the millenniums, the Ys and the Zs as they're entering the leadership arena. Uh, and through mentoring and coaching, uh, you know, build that capability, support them to build that capability uh, and make sure that, you know, we're setting them up for success. So these are some approaches. Uh, I think that, you know, it, it is having that active dialogue and seeing how be best we position, uh, you know, HR practices to, to, to enhance and, and deliver uh, on uh, the generational demands in the workplace. Yeah. I you describe actually a lot of what the growth mindset's around there, this coaching culture, mentoring, being supportive, open communications across all the levels, open dialogues that need to happen. Um, do you have any examples that you can give us in terms of those organisations, even, even not, not necessarily the one that you're in right now, even, uh, or that one, uh, those making progress um, versus those perhaps sticking with what they've always done and what they're comfortable with? Uh, I think performance management is a, is a good example where uh, acknowledging the differences within the organization and how performance is viewed, uh, following the more milestone approach uh, and, and opening that to the organization. Um, um, I, I think it's, it's uh, you know, when you look at, for example, call centers uh, where you have a younger generation coming in and allowing that instant gratification on the fly uh, and making sure that uh, we, you know, building that infrastructure to support that approach and performance. Uh, so I think a more organic approach uh, and allowing a, a customized uh, um um, solutions that uh, it doesn't, it's not a blanket approach, but more a targeted approach. Um, and again, also from, as we view workplace as a, organic rather than flexible, as we're coming out of the pandemic, we hear a lot about, you know, the flexible, the hybrid. Uh, I think it's now, it's becoming, um, uh, I, th I think we need to step back and look at it as being organic, uh, which is multidimensional uh, and there's an inclusive approach. When we look at it from a flexible, uh, it's more of an extension. It becomes more of a policy, whereas we accept that, you know, we, we look at the workplace as organic and we accept what makes sense for a given period of time, a just policy approach and provide all the support we need from you know, all people practices to to foster that organic approach to organization. Yeah, I, I I love what you're saying there around performance management and that almost that movement to a more organic performance support in a way and, and rethinking what that actually means. So I guess the $64,000 question for you, Alexander, is getting to the how okay so so i'm going to put you on the spot i know here but you've got great experience from all sides of this as well so 
from your perspective, how can HR and OD professionals design and lead the workforce of the future? In recognition of the things that you said, like the cross-generational mix, the diversity that comes with that, its breadth, and most importantly, its potential. Uh, yeah, and I think it's it, uh, there's a few things as HR professionals is more how we position ourselves. Uh, it's more partnering closer to the business to understand what the dynamics are. Uh, you know, driving a proactive approach. Uh, looking at talent and people analytics. There's a lot of data there that can start showing trends uh, and and putting the dots together uh, through these analytics. It's also organizational design and having fluidity and having an organic structure because we live in a VUCA world. Uh, If we look how, you know, if we look just a few years ago prior COVID or, you know, the world is, is a very different place. Post-COVID and, and you know the geopolitical challenges that we're facing, and it's all about communicating. Uh, you know we have to have a clear, consistent, and repetitive message, uh, and constantly reassessing organizational values to ensure they're relevant for today, um, and taking under consideration also the multiple. Uh, complexities that uh, a multiple uh, generational workforce has. It's about engaging, it's about role modeling and showcasing individuals and championing them. Uh, So we set the pace and the example into the organization. And it's all about talent, Uh, having talent discussions, deep diving into uh, the employee population to see who's our future leaders and not being uh, afraid to have that open dialogue uh, and, uh, and building that, that, uh, that pipeline to ensure business continuity uh, from a human capital perspective. And it's all about learning as well. It's about keeping people uh, relevant to roles uh, and making sure that the workforce has skills for today and for tomorrow. Um, and, and finally, it's about you know, uh, policy. It's not about having uh, a standardized approach, but more having a customized approach uh, and looking at those unique differences, especially from a generational perspective as what we highlighted before. Well, some really important things that you mentioned coming out here, engaging the organization, role modeling, the types of behaviors and attributes that we would like to see, championing your people and those future leaders front and center. And I like that last piece that you said, having that kind of customized, more flexible policy that moves with these times. You're so right. We're in the VUCA world. Uh, And we can add a D onto that now as well and kind of add that word distributed or dispersed, whatever you want to call it, because it adds a level of complexity. But uh, keeping people relevant to those moving roles is a really key task, as, as you said. And that clear, consistent, repetitive communication of messaging, as you point out, is highly important. I'd just like to ask you one supplementary question on this, Alexander, because you mentioned data and analytics and my and my ears pricked up because we are in the era of artificial intelligence, of huge amounts of data that can be used uh, 
almost immediately to drive decisions or thinking and so on. What is the importance in your view of data and data analytics to human capital professionals? Uh, I think uh, with data, uh, there's there's multiple latitudes of, of data when we look at people data uh, or talent analytics, people in talent analytics. Uh, looking at where we have gaps in the organization uh, from a talent perspective, but also looking at the raw data to start mapping out trends. Uh, and that can help the organization expedite decisions uh, and support the business uh, as they're navigating through the complexities uh, of, the, of the markets. Um, for example, uh, when we were doing talent uh, reviews, and looking at talent analytics, we noticed that you know about fifty percent in one of the organizations that I was working for, uh, we we didn't have uh, successors in place uh, for our top critical roles, which that indicate that we have uh, uh, you know business continuity risk, and then you open up to the dialogue of how do we cover that gap and where uh, and how do we you know, upskill uh, our, uh, our employee base to be able to uh, shorten that gap and, and make sure that we have, you know, the, the pipeline in place to, to cover uh, from a business continuity perspective. Oh, great stuff. And it is the era of speed, isn't it? And Indeed. I know sometimes we have to slow down to speed up, but if you can expedite that kind of decision-making, at a human level by the use of data, then that has to be something that leaders, human capital professionals, finance professionals, marketing professionals, we all need to get on board with quicker. So thank you very much for diverting off to that for me, a very important point. And for those tuning in that that are listening to what you're saying, that these messages that you're that you're giving us are resonating strongly. What would be your top tips for making progress for them, so that we can get some next steps out of this? I think three things for me. I think it's uh, from a leadership perspective. Uh, leaders set the weather rather than the direction. Uh, it, it's not. It's not just giving the direction. It's looking at how. The organization will perceive that direction and making sure that you have the right messaging and bringing people on board. Uh, it's about having that organic workplace uh, rather than flexible hybrid, as what we discussed uh, before. And it's also reinvent and innovate. And first looking at how do we reinvent, because that will bring us faster to where we want to go. Uh, utilizing, you know, what we already have, and then, you know, innovating on top of that to to drive, you know, uh, a lot of the people initiatives that are critical to the organization. Um, so these are the key top uh, tips that I would put forward. Yeah, I, I I love the way that you talk about that, that leaders set the weather, got the direction. I really get that. And I really understand the point. Fantastic. And Alexander, I'd just like to say thank you so much for joining me for this. And I'm sure that there are many people who are listening or watching this would love to get in touch with you. 
continue the discussion? How do they do that? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, quite easily through LinkedIn. Uh, they can find me and connect with me, uh, and we can continue the dialogue uh, through that mean, means. Fantastic. Well, look, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, your career, your insights, and some of those things that are really going to make the success out of our workforces and organizations for the years ahead. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rethink Leadership Podcast with me, Jeremy Blaine. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel or simply go to performanceworks.global to access all the episodes to date. We'll see you next time.